Hi everyone, I'm so excited to share with you my new checklist, the five things your brand story needs to create impact. You can grab the checklist at alicefairfax.com checklist. I'm really excited because these five story tools are a must to connect your message to your audience, and they form the basis for my five-module digital course launching soon. The course will do a deep dive into all the tools you need to succeed from these five elements. But first, you need to know the list. So grab the checklist at alicefairfax.com checklist to get you started on the right road. Now, let's get into this episode of the Story Maven podcast. Why certain brands, you know, like Apple and Google, they have power because they create cultures that want to join and create narratives that people want to uh, become co-stars in the movie. Hello and welcome to the Story Maven podcast, where we meet great storytellers who share their secrets to opening a story loop, engaging an audience, and telling a great story. I'm your host, Alice Fairfax. I was a Walt Disney World performer for over 20 years, and now I teach busy nonprofit leaders and entrepreneurs how to turn data into story. Because what I know from being an improv storyteller is that you can increase your impact and grow your audience just by telling a great story. So if you're overwhelmed by your social media calendar or dealing with pre-speech jitters, the Story Maven podcast is here to help you tell your story. This week's guest is Louis Gravance, the author of Service is a Superpower and a speaker on corporate culture and customer service. He has designed multi-million dollar trainings for companies like Bank of America, Choice Hotels, and Nikon. He began his career as a child actor and appeared in national TV commercials, including the Mellow Yellow commercials, which you will hear about later. He also created one of the most iconic streetmosphere characters at Disney's Hollywood Studios and was an interactive performer there for decades. With Disney World, he designed service training programs for Disney Institute and Traditions. He delivers keynotes and service training programs for global brands. I know you're going to love hearing from him. He talks powerfully about what our brand means and what it means to our customer, our target audience. So be sure to stick around for my story made and takeaways after the interview. Now, here's my conversation with Louis Gravance. Now, your book is really in two parts. Um, there's the personal, your personal journey, um, and then the second half is really a how-to customer service, which applies the lessons that you learned in your personal journey. Right. Um, so um, I do recommend that people read the book and get the book to really hear your personal journey, but maybe you can talk a little bit about that journey from actor to speaker, um, and then from there we can talk about how you found this voice so much of it was about my wanting to join the disney narrative and i think that that's why certain brands you know like apple and google they have power because they create cultures that people want to join they create narratives that people want to uh become co-stars in the movie and for me that was very much the case with my um performance life at Disney and from the time I took the training I thought you know what I would have an aptitude for this uh, because I believed it and so had it not been for being a trainer at Disney and having to develop stories to make points because you you had you had to keep somebody engaged for eight hours while you sort of went you know this sort of plea to join this it was, well, we called it an invitation to believe. And I always say that, you know, people used to joke that the Disney University was a brainwashing institute. And I say that the reason how that happened is because it's a little bit of a brainwashing institute. And in that, I mean, it was definitely about engaging the mind and heart from the time that you walked in, the fact that there were artifacts around the building that you could see from virtually every generation that the brand had been alive so that there was something to immediately attach your heart to. And I learned as a trainer that when you look out into the class, certain stories were going to work better than others based on, on generation. The generation that grew up, for example, with the, the weak Disney movies in the 70s, mm -hmm. when Disney was sort of 
they were harder to grab than the people whose uh, first Disney movie or experience was when Walt was still alive. And then we had a renaissance <laughs> when the kids... Little Mermaid. Were, like, <laughs> the kids whose first Disney movie was Little Mermaid, and they were part of that whole Eisner yeah. thing is that... Um, it became easier to engage the hearts and minds of new employees, cast members at Disney once we got again to the generation whose first Disney movie was during the Eisner years, Little Mermaid, and they yeah. grew up during that Disney decade. They were a very, very powerful uh, force to join uh, the team because they, they came wired differently. And so that... Uh, thinking about that brand story, that brand narrative, that helped you. Uh, how did that help you make the connection with people? How important is is it for a, a company to have a brand story? I, You know what? The thing of it is, is they all have one. I guess the mm. question is how is important that they use it? Nice. Um, yeah. You know, when I branched out of, of uh, Disney, and, uh, you know, I was at the Disney Institute for a while where I would do programs and these great companies would come and they'd ask us, you know, how could they Disneyfy their cultures? How could they inspire their teams to, to you know, to be as engaged as they, they believe the Disney cast were? And, you know, so we would give seminars, do things like Disney's approach to quality service and things like that. But it wasn't until afterwards when I left the company and was dispatched with actually doing it in a practical manner, a practical execution, that I learned, again, and my first client was Bank of America. Right. And so suddenly I'm in a boardroom in, right. uh, in, in North Carolina with these people going, so you can, uh, you can create you know, a, a service training program that will inspire our team much the way that Disney's has and their with their group and I went, oh, of course. Not knowing of course I was supposed to do it in a practical sense. And and um, you know then I realized I, I created this wheel so that no matter what company I went to, what group I, I, I could frame their their service culture within with these four principles. Uh, story, language, behavior recognition. Story, language, behavior recognition. The story sets the intention. The language tells language tells the story of that intention. Those inspire behaviors that enact those properties, and then recognizing those behaviors and making them part of the lexicon and legacy keeps the wheel going. So, to that end, I was fascinated that nobody that worked for Bank of America knew a damn thing about the company, how it started. I found out that it was started by a guy in San Francisco who gave loans based on the fact that you had calluses so he could tell that you went to work every day. They had this incredible rich history that nobody had bothered to ever romanticize and contemporize. Nobody had bothered to do it. Plus, they were very clumsy about talking about emotion in the banking world. Sure. The bank. Really clumsy. So we called the program the Bank of America Spirit. Which right away was, uh, 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 I, I hate to use the word assault, but it was right well, <laughs> to the banking. Totally you know, different for them. Wait, 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 wait. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Right. And so we decided to go for the heart and really go for the heart about what and try to bring this consciousness. Just like, you know, people that are custodial workers at Disney believe that they are part of creating magical memories. We wanted every teller, we wanted every bank associate to realize their part in somebody bringing home a baby, oh, yeah. paying off a mortgage. Uh, we wanted them to have some uh, emotional co context with which they were working. And, uh, and it was very successful. So, um, so I, I've sort of used that. And I believe that individuals Especially now, as we're all reinventing ourselves and realizing that we no longer we no longer work for anyone but ourselves, and maybe that's been true for a while. But I will never forget. I will be candid with you. There was one time when I got in a lot of trouble during my first employment. One. <laughs> but when I, 
one time I used the word hell on stage, not in a not in a like go to hell, but I, I used the word hell in a in, in what I thought was a positive context. Long, long. I I have used that word in a context in a show at Disney World myself and prayed that no one was videotaping. Okay, well, and there are no complaints or anything, but a new. I don't want to get too much into this. But anyway, the long story short was I ended up in the office at some office. And your hands will be slapped and, you know, mm. lot, you know. The brand police have picked you up. Yes. So, <laughs> but I'm sitting there and something was said to me that I will never forget as long as I live. And no matter how much it assaulted my senses, I knew it was true. When this very, very manicured person, this very calm and collected, Nearly Stepford Life uh, HR person uh, was sitting <laughs> across from me. I'm enjoying this so much. <laughs> and she goes, Now, this is a hard day for you because this is when you learn that the company that you've loved so much and given so much to isn't really capable of loving you back. Oh. Okay. But it's the truth. It's the truth. Oh my gosh. So you know what? We use that to our advantage. Yeah. You know what? We keep that in mind as we move forward and we join with these narrative. We, we, you know, I, I hate to sound mercenary, but we were actors in a show for a while and then we move on to another show. Yeah. And, and, and this is, a, but as people are reinventing themselves, I think that they should use the same principles that small businesses use. And and big organizations use in in that okay so how do I define my narrative how do yes. I define my service narrative so Disney's able to say look I sell happiness and they're able to say that the, the foundational values that support that are safety courtesy showmanship and efficiency and to that you know so they 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 construct and to that end. They create happiness by providing the finest in entertainment for people of all ages everywhere. So what I'm saying is people need to define their work mission, their narrative, and they need to look at it. They need to look at it. They need to develop their safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency that supports their mission statement that regrounds them to their narrative where they are the star of the show and maybe not the company is the star of the show as we lived it before because our customers are living it that way. Our customers no longer want to be part of the Pepsi generation. Our customers no longer want to, you know, be a part of Disney. What our customers want are these brands to be co-stars in their show. Oh our my gosh, Louie, this is, and this is coming on. from the man who was a pepper. Yes. <laughs> I was the mellow yellow boy, but yes. Oh, I thought you were a pepper. No, John was the pepper. I was the uh, I was the mellow yellow singing boy. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is great because this is true. I can still work in a company, but if I have my personal brand within that company, knowing that I may have to move on or they may move on or a global pandemic may move me on, I can still, I'm not so tied then to their brand narrative that I fall apart. I have to have my own brand narrative now. Dorothy, you always had the power <laughs> to go back to Kansas. As, my as, heels. As, you know, as, 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 a, as much as that's a piss off, it's what I'm trying I've always to tell had you it. is that's always been the case, whether yeah. we realized it or not. Yeah. yeah whether that was, a, that was always a, uh, that was under a, that was always a foundational truth whether that came from our perspective or not. And we're seeing this happen a lot now with how many hundreds of people do you and I know close yeah. who have been part of this era, what I call nearly a vaudevillian era, the way it was yes. era, where Agreed. thousands of people who never became celebrities made comfortable livings in a, in a theatrical era Yes. That has come and like Brigadoon in a strange way. It, it will re, it will rebirth as something else. But this era of hundreds, yay, thousands of union and non-union actors working in attractions and sending kids to college. Vegas, Orlando. You know. It's that, you're right. It will it be will. it will be different. 
But what I'm saying is the people that were a part of that are now finding themselves mm. in, a, in this point of reinvention. Yeah. And what I would want them to know, they have vastly underestimated what they've done. If you've, come, if you've worked with these companies like Disney and Universal and many things, this, you're going to be surprised what that looks like on a resume. You're go, you're, you are going to be surprised that that service um, still retains a great deal of power when you're going out into the workforce and trying to join forces with the companies and the brands of the stories. And, and your own. Give us the wheel again, because I feel like people need to hear the wheel and understand the wheel, and then they need to get the book, because the wheel is in the book. Yeah, it's story, which is another word for intention. Mm -hmm. Story, it's about the foundational story, the foundational narrative. And the way you tell that narrative, you know, whether it's calling your employees cast members, whether it's however, these words, I always say language becomes lexicon and lexicon becomes legacy. Language becomes lexicon and lexicon becomes legacy. So that lexicon is what carries the intention mm. and inspires the behaviors that are seen on stage. And then, then this is where most great organizations miss it. It's because what they do, and I learned this a lot by working with banks. And I'll, I go and I, I'll speak at these banquets for banks, a lot of these award ceremonies or these annual events. And so what I'll see is this. The bank president or vice president will get up and they will say, what is most important, ladies and gentlemen, is how we are as community members, how we are perceived as neighbors. To, is global, you know, and they'll say that. And, and this is what we value most. And now for our awards, we'd like to give something for who sold the most. Yes. So, the, so yeah. there's a big switch. And they we just proved, them. we just proved that's not true. <laughs> so in other words, you just, you recognize the behavior you wanted. You didn't recognize the behavior your customers wanted. Bam. <laughs> and that's, so, because the other reason that recognition is so important is because, as you know, with Disney, things that happened in the 90s become legends they tell in the 2000s. Oh, yeah. Things that happened in the 2000s appear in a training video in, in 2012. So as they're telling you, as we would tell the stories of Walt, the foundational narrative, these mm -hmm. trainers are saying, this is what happened to me the other day. This is how I... This is how I, I lived that example. So I have a foundational narrative in, in the story of Walt, and I have, mm -hmm. this is what's going on right now and how we're making that live. And, and, and when Disney would give their awards, these were the behaviors they would try to recognize. Right. So, that, so that lexicon becomes legacy. Yeah. And so then you have something to move the story forward, re-inspiring the language which may change as Disney has just added uh, something beyond safety courtesy show and efficiency they've finally added a fifth which is inclusion when did that happen well within the last four weeks I believe wow you have your finger First on time the in decade. you know what? no there's four keys there's four keys now there's five people don't realize what industry do you think was most um, influential and important, besides the artisans and the show business folk and the storytellers that made Disneyland, where do you think most of those other people came from? The military. Oh. <laughs> A lot of them came Oh, yes. The, yeah. Think about it. These were people that needed to build something and build culture fast. And if you look at the role, like the man that invented the Disney University, Van Arsdale France, yeah, came from the military and the aerospace industry, and so he came with he, he came with those skills of building cultures. So wow. and so so when we think about these things and and, and the posts, that, you know, there was nothing happenstance about it at all. Mm -mm. No, very intentional. Yeah. Very intentional. So I, I actually want to read this, um, uh, a, a quote from your book, if I may. Um, so this is from chapter seven, serving with intention. 
Um, brands are intensely emotional and hardly impersonal. A brand relationship is the result of intention, actions, and expectations. We engage with brands based on appearance, promise, and reputation, which are the same cornerstones we consider when building personal relationships. Right. Our personal brands help us communicate our narratives to others in an effort to create productive relationships, just like brands of toothpaste. Yes. I just think it's so important um, as that relates to I'm thinking about the entrepreneurs that are starting their businesses that are a one-man shop right now. I'm thinking about, I work with so many nonprofits where the executive director is doing the social media and giving all the speeches and doing the payroll and, oh my gosh, I have to run to Staples and get a ream of copy paper <laughs> and all of those things where there's two or three people on the team. And and they have to do all of this. Customer service is like, oh, I, I will think about that later. I will think about that later. So I just wondered if you could speak to that in creating your brand and setting yourself up for success with that kind of understanding that that story and branding is intention. Okay. So the first thing, yeah, wow, that there's a lot to unpack there. There is. And this isn't 60 minutes. We can stop and, and rest. <laughs> but I'm just thinking about I'm just thinking about what tools can we give someone like myself, someone like yourself that that is now you're not just starting out, but that is kind of a one man show and saying, OK, I have to I have to move myself forward, whether in my company right now or uh, for those of okay. us that are. The first thing you need to know is know your work. And so as one reinvents oneself, I think it's very, especially in these times, I think it would be instructional and very powerful to find the people whose expectations you have exceeded in the past in any way, shape, or form, because you need to see yourself through the eyes of those lovers. You know what I mean? Yes. You need to see yourself through the eyes of people that know you as successful so that you can, it will make it easier for you to rejoin that consciousness. So first and foremost, as just a baseline, who am I and how am I going to move forward? Reconnect with people and, and institutions, and even if it's teachers, anybody who's seen you as successful, look at yourself through their eyes again. Family members, um, coaches. Talk to them because you know what? They need to see themselves through your eyes at this moment, too. And so, what a, what a great cause and effect for both of you at this time. Uh, help them by knowing that their vision of you is important because we learn what we teach. And so, that's the, that's the very first thing that I would do. And then, the second thing that I would do in recreating my story is figuring out, just like a great company does, what. What's the emotional foundation of the service or the product? How do people feel because of what I'm going to do or be? Disney sells happiness. Universal sells adventure. You know, um, I think of myself as, as selling humorous inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, what 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 is it that when I when I'm serving food? What what is it that I'm bringing people? You know, mm -hmm. what how am I making somebody feel? Because then. You can move from there to figuring out what your safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency is. But there, you know, something that's amazing, Alice. When I go to, uh, when I do seminars for, for big companies or medium-sized companies, and we're trying to re, we're, we're trying, I'm trying to create collective consciousness, and I'm trying to let them know that um, that they already know more than they think that a co collective consciousness already exists. I will hand them a paper maybe a hundred different uh, values, mm -hmm. like safety, courtesy, show, efficiency, inclusion, product excellence, teamwork. I mean, just, you know, I mean, it, and it's mm -hmm. very varied. And I may, I write them in all in different colors and they're, they're in no particular order and they're, in, you know, it's just all over a page. So I can have 50 different tables of eight and say, all right, now that we've established whatever emotional, uh, component that you're selling. We've talked a little bit about what it is that you do. I want all of you to look at that list and as tables, what are the most important four? What's your safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency? What are they? 
and then I give them five minutes and then we do report outs. And the amazing thing is there's a list of a hundred and no matter how big the group is, they're still going to pick the same four to six. Yeah. They, they do know. I, they do know. They're already telling, we already have a way to join. If there's a, there is a, a collective consciousness that you're not even aware of. And yeah. I want people to do that too. Because you, you all are thing. already aware. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what? You might want to reinvent yourself, but you don't necessarily have to reinvent your product. Right now, people are being told that they're not relevant. Just because you're not practical doesn't mean you're not relevant. Oh, Disney might again. not be practical right now. It's not, it's yeah. Relevant, and so are you, and so are your services. Mm. So the it never was we, practical. I'll go back to that Wizard of Oz thing. All mm. of our great faiths and our great legends have this thread where attaining nirvana or attaining enlightenment is rarely about getting something that you didn't already have. It's about accepting something that's already true. And as we reinvent ourselves, we have to realize that we're all sharing the same mind. I'm going to get metaphysical here. We're I love all it. sharing the same mind. Therefore, consciousness exists that already has solved your problem. Somebody has figured this out somewhere. Yeah. And since somebody's figured it out somewhere, it's already downloaded in the mental internet we use as the collective mind. So remember, yeah. you don't have to invent it. You just have to access it. Mm. So as Behavior. We, as we move forward, I, I think that's a you know a good way not to get overwhelmed by oh my god, what am I gonna do now? Yeah. What yeah. am I gonna be now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still being who I am. There's a great power in embracing one's ignorance because, as I say more than once in the book, you can't put a ship in a bottle till it's empty, mm. and sometimes there is great power <laughs> in realizing we have no idea what we're next is necessarily going to do right. next that way we can be open to having some change of mind some something happening so there, there it's sometimes there might be how many times have you heard the story where people got to their wits end where they just didn't know what they were going to do next when suddenly <laughs> yes <laughs> yes well it's uh, fell out of the sky I'm thinking of, of your, uh, what you have preached for years, and I have, I have taken it to heart. I've heard you say it so many times, um, job over task. Yeah. That my task may change, but my job really doesn't. Um, well, can you say a little bit about that, what that's the job and task lady. is? That's the pizza lady story um, when you're, when you're going to be a trainer. And, and, and this <laughs> when I was a trainer, and I was doing traditions. For weeks, we did this cross-utilization cross all over property, and we'd spend a day cleaning hotel rooms, or we'd follow the parade with the horse bucket, or we, yeah. you know, they wanted us to do these down and dirty jobs, um, especially those of us that came from entertainment, whatever. They wanted us to have some real life knowledge. So, some of these jobs had not been pretty. So, I end up one day behind the Tomorrowland Terrace. With this older, much older lady, um, who for 19 years she was the pizza maker at Tomorrowland Terrace back then. So she she shows me what you do, and so the dough the dough kind of rolls out on this sort of belt, and then you, you're armed with a brush and cheese, and so you you know you develop your little system. Where right, it comes brush, brush the sauce, so like the Lucy show, right? You know, like, yes. you see that the candy comes. <laughs> so you know, and and. Well, I just thought this was great. And and especially after cleaning toilets in a hotel room, yeah. I thought, okay, okay, so this I can, I can get through this. So I'm just a humming to myself. I'm developing my system for spreading the cheese around the pizza, you know, just, just having a well. And this lady, who this isn't just a tasker, she's watching me. And I must have come off like a real flip. You know, a little penguin. So finally, she comes up to me. She goes, "Honey, honey, uh, uh, honey, uh, 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 baby, you 
got to get that cheese all the way around that pizza even because if you don't, it ain't going to be good show for my guests. This lady had never interfaced with a guest and yet intrinsically she knew that her task was to make pizza but her job was to create a magical memory of her guests, for her guests. Yeah. And she felt a part of this experience. Just like I say, okay. See this, Alice? Yes, the wand. This is the Harry Potter wand. Oh. Okay. Think about all that's done to marry this product with the right, with the right Yes. You know, yeah. the theatrical retail that takes place, everything. And even the people that don't go through the Potter experience, but they just go into the store and it looks like the movie and it smells like the movie and it sounds like the movie and they take this and they, and they you know, and, and think about the custodial person that cleans the store, the person bringing the J.K. Rowling, the actors that are making the scene come yeah. to life, the, the technician, everybody that that had something to do with this. And this is a stick. It's a stick. It's, it's a, a stick. $55 stick. <laughs> and I can tell you, I feel the power. I have one of those sticks that was given to me by at a convention for the Broadway show. It is a prized possession for me, that stick. And we, so we have that choice every day. Pizza or magical memories. Mm. Stick wand just like at disney we'd say okay so what, what's it going to be magical memories or is it robots and rubber-headed creatures yeah. you know what it's both and that's yeah. the deal in fact it's both those things mm. <laughs> powerful so uh, i want to talk a little bit um about your about your journey to finding your own voice then as we talk about this for other people because we were talking earlier about about that and this service is a superpower you've been a speaker for gosh is it 15 years 20 20 on on customer service and so finding this voice and finding your voice for this book can you talk me through a little bit about that journey and and what that was like for you you know, I think what made it so difficult, as I told you, it took me 15 years to try to write the book and six months to actually write it once I figured out what my voice was going to be. And that is because I think, I think we carry with us a sense of, um, how do I put this? Uh, maybe not enough faith in our legitimacy as we move out to be experts as yeah. things. And so I think I felt that I needed to write a book that HR folk would relate to, that would prove that I had a right to have an opinion. I was having a hard time getting this message out because I was, I didn't have enough faith, I think. I, I, I had to realize, wait a minute, just communicate the way you speak to your audiences. And that's what my agent told me to do. Okay. And then I started to write movie reviews because those movie reviews were oh, 500 words. And I thought from that, I could teach myself the discipline of what writing 500 words looked like. And Very having smart. to get to just learn that discipline. And then once I came up with the outline of what I wanted to, and then what I also decided to do was not be shy about marrying my metaphysical and Course in Miracles belief, which I had sort of been too covert about. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fess up that this is where a lot of this is coming and I'm not going to apologize for it. And that too uh, made it easier, you know, but, but those were both self-worth and, and, and legitimacy issues yeah. that I think we all deal with. I, I think that's so wise what you said earlier about um, go back to somebody whose expectations you've exceeded because what we tend to do is I'm, I'm writing a blog post. I'll, I'll write the summary for this podcast um, when I go to promote it. I, there will be an email. There will be an Instagram post, a LinkedIn post, a Facebook post, Facebook group post, and something on my website, and something for iTunes. All of that will be written for this conversation. Mm -hmm. And what will invariably happen to me is that that should be easy because I'm sitting here taking notes during this conversation. There are several things that are, have been like, oh, oh, that's so good. That's so exciting. I'm excited by this conversation. 
I should be able to do this, but what will happen to me is I will sit down and I will think of that one person who doesn't like me or who I'm trying to prove myself to. And then we're off the deep end of trying to craft this so that they will be convinced. Or I start thinking about, I've got to get, I've got to convince this part of my target audience that this is valuable. I got some bad news about this. That is, that's one of the things that is going to keep you humble and it mm. never goes away. People think I am very comfortable on stage. They have no idea that, and I'm going to tell you this, more often than not, I still throw up before I talk and it happens you. in the shower. And you know what I hear? You know what I hear? All right. So I was a speaker for a while and I'm going to share this with you. And so I go home and I'm talking to my dad. I love my dad very much, but my dad was a real down to earth kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And um, so he was nervous about me leaving Disney to be a speaker, yada, 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 yada. And uh, so I, I started to have some success. And I told him uh, how much I made to give a keynote at a convention for a Fortune 500 company. And he said, what on God's green earth could you possibly talk about that somebody would pay you that kind of money for? And I know he didn't mean it necessarily, no. but I hear that. And so oh, and sure. again, you know what I mean? It's exactly what you're talking about. But yeah. you know what? Those are the things that, you know, what I say is the pixie dust that makes all the other service superpowers work is humility. Mm. And so when you get to a point where that just doesn't destroy you, but keeps you humble. Yeah. May, maybe that's how that's you can good. use that to your advantage. But it, and you know, when I will, um, I'll say this, I'll be about to go on with a vice president or something. And they'll be so nervous that I hate public speaking. Mm. And they'll be telling me, you know, oh, and, and I'll say, look, I just want you to know that 30 minutes ago, I was heaving my guts out for doing this. And they will invariably go, thank you for telling me that. Yes. <laughs> they, <laughs> they just want to know. Somebody that looked as comfortable as you do doing this yeah. are still going through that. Um, okay, then. Okay, yeah. then. I can take a breath. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about uh, helping other people tell their story is because I am a storyteller. I've been a professional storyteller for decades. I have written books. I have ghostwritten books. I write blogs. I know how I write. I've done over 30 campaigns for Broadway shows. And when I sit down to write a damn post, I flip out. I don't and know where to start. You're a marvelous <laughs> storyteller just as a human being. I mean, it's I have, a natural thing. I have been a professional storyteller with you live on stage. Yes. So I know this to be true. <laughs> yes. And still, I go through. And so I have created these tools for myself, like you created the wheel for yourself. Like I sit down and I am going to put down universal, specific, controlling idea, character. I'm going to put that at the top of my page. And I'm that's how I'm going to start because it will save me the drama of my own insecurity or my own inflated, this is going to be the best post of all time. <laughs> oh, really? You put Which that is another on yourself. Oh my it's God. It's another pit. <laughs> wow. Oh, you know, you know, now, so, how, do you organize your day? You know how I, I write a lot about in the book about structuring one's day and the importance of costuming yourself mm -hmm. for work even if you're working from home because of how it helps you compartmentalize your day, but how it also sends a message to the family so that they can help you compartmentalize the day. I think a lot of people with kids, you know, mom or dad are home all the time and they're working in their sweatpants and it feels like perpetual weekend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, that's a, I know that's a real Disney stickler thing. You must rest professionally from home, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I, I it helped me a lot. It helped me. A lot. I, it took me three tries to become really successful working from home. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are embarking on this, I swear to God, it will make a huge difference if you, if you, to your intention, get ready for something great to happen. Always dress like something great is going to happen professionally. 
And you know what? It's a drag. It's a real drag. Sometimes <laughs> in your bow tie and, and I am. Oxford, you look great. And and you know, and I dress yeah. like this almost every day. And people are like, yeah. is this still working? <laughs> it, you know, it, it is such a challenge. And I know I know that from my life with Henry, my son, um, yes. because of autism, you have to have a schedule. And so I think when the okay, so in March I was working from home. So March to June was one sort of weird change and figuring that out. June I was furloughed. Then I fell apart for the month of June. I I really struggled. I really struggled. I couldn't find my balance. And it was that I had to come up with, okay, what are the pillars of my day? What does that look like? What do I want to accomplish? And I was writing my book uh, at that time. And um, so I had plenty of work to do. I was busy. I was working on uh, on this, on moving my seminar into a digital course all of this content that I could have been creating and I just fell apart. So I literally, I typed up a schedule on Mondays from, I have coffee with my husband from this time to this time, 9am I start work and I'm going to work on this. Then I'm available for lunch. Then I work on this. And I wrote it up for each different day. Like some days were content days. Some days were creative days. Some days were logistic days. I printed it up and handed it to the husband and to the child. And then that became, you're right, we have, we have to go buy in from everybody else. But if I don't act like, if I just go to my office in my sweatpants and I'm like, oh, mommy's going to work. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> That's easily interruptible. And I, I clearly want to be interrupted because I don't really, I wasn't really sure what I was doing. Well, I, I went through the same thing in that. Like many people, I was, I've worked so hard (laughs) and my business was finally really, really, really taking off. And the book was due to come out in April and there was a tour planned and I, you know, was going to be going to Barnes and, you know, just this whole thing. And then, you know, oh, I'm in the live meetings industry. Great. (laughs) Right. So, so then people were like, well, you got to start doing what we're going to do this, um, you know, via camera. And I'm lucky I have really good agents. And what I said to them was, so we're going to do television. They're like, what? I said, well, okay. So basically we're going to be telling stories, conveying ideas, engaging hearts and minds on a monitor. Right. That's called television. <laughs> and that's a whole different thing, baby. That's a whole, oh, yeah. we got to rethink this. You know, we do this. Yeah, we have to rethink the format. You're right, because I can't. I mean, I've done I saw people figuring this out, like doing an eight hour seminar via Zoom. And it's just when you don't have the people to engage with, you know, I I am giving my people exercises to do and getting their feedback. It's it's not eight hours and they can't sit there for eight hours. Well, Alice, you would be amazed at how some speakers who are well above my, you know, speakers who make 50, 35, 50 grand to do a keynote are like deers in a headlight. And basically they're just in the garage and they're, and they're, and they're standing in front of a, you know what I mean? It's, it's for some of these people and yet other, I've seen other people be extremely uh, creative and build studios and they're how it's just but what's happening to us is what's happening in a lot of businesses which is people are trying to play on your fears that's mm-hmm. where i get back to that relevance thing like, you know it's you'll never have a job like if you don't if you don't buy this service from us if you don't if you if you don't get this subscription if you don't buy this new hardware for your computer if you don't do you know and 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 this is where you need to again why you see you at your best because that way you won't be playing on your fears you'll be playing on your values because i'm telling you people swoop down on us professional speakers like oh like like vultures on a dead cow (laughs) oh (laughs) people were being talked into cameras they didn't you know right you know that panicking and especially with the whole i was being swooped down on I represent people doing 
good virtual talks, and all you have to do is give me a thousand dollars, and and and, and and we're just these people are swooping down on our industry, and I know that it's happening in every industry. Small yeah. business owners are being scared into making purchases or, or or buying services they may or may not need, which is where I'm just saying go for the heart and not the head. Almost every small business I know has a means of making. 30 second videos to your most important clients and your super fans and tell them how much you miss them. A. B. When you're recognizing your employees right now, realize they're working from home. So what you do is you recognize them in front of the family. Find some way to tell your, your employees in front of their family or in some way that has family visibility that you are proud to have them so that you can get their families on board. We want mom to love that they work. While they yeah. inconvenience the whole house structure, you want the kids to love that daddy works for for this company. He tells them how important he is and what he means to them. Right now, when you might not be able to afford financially the way you'd like to, you can get in touch with the families and tell them how much you love yes, you know, their family so member and what they mean to the brand and how much. I I, I think that's just a great way to regroup. Recognize and, and, and reorganize your, your uh, the morale of your group. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, as we close here, um, tell everyone uh, a little bit how how we can get in touch with you and stay in touch with you, um, and where people can get the book. It's, you know, I never thought I'd say. Well, you know, my book. It seems so pretentious, you know. But I mean, <laughs> so then you find yourself selling them. Like, like the way I used to sell butter toffee peanuts to go to camp, my MCA camp. Yes. Where you're literally almost going door to door, you know, in a, in a <laughs> pandemic. So, um, so the book is called "Service is a Superpower: Lessons Learned in a Magic Kingdom." The first half is sort of my weirdo story from being a child actor until I was too hairy to be one. <laughs> to Disney to being somebody that designed training, and then the last half of the book is a, a workbook. So that you, just like any company, can do exactly what they did right now. They're like, oh, okay, so how do we reorganize and restructure? Yes. So there's a there's a there's there are ten steps. There are, there are ten skills of a service superhero, and uh, you can get it on Amazon, or you can get it on. Uh, you can visit my web. Site greatkeynotespeaker.com. Oh, great. Okay. Or mascot books. Um, Excellent. Right, this way is going to be Amazon, but I'm just telling you that now. And, and finding you online. You are on Instagram. You are on. Um, Louis Grabant Speaker. Louis Grabant. Instagram. Yeah. Speaker. Yes. Instagram, I, I'm on all of it. Yeah. I, I really, have, are you? I've really. Now I will say that I've, this is something I have used this time. Get better at my social media. I've used. I. I. I will say that. Um, I, you. You, know you had a piece that got fifty thousand views or something. Okay. Now here's the weird thing. I spent a lot of money to advertise on Instagram, and it went all over the world. I got fifty thousand likes, and I actually, I, I got a paying speech from this ad, and the paying speech was down the street from my house. <laughs> okay. I'm hearing Liza Minnelli sing Ring Them Bells. That's exactly. Hey, and thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for being so gracious. You're, oh, this was just so fantastic. You you really, uh, this the book really rocked my world. And, and I'm a follower of yours, a follower of yours. I have listened to your speeches many times. I've been involved with working with you and helping yes. you shape your content and support yes. me you. Um, and I've worked alongside of you as an actor. And, and I got the book literally because I was like, well, A, I want to support my friend and B, I want to have a uh, have him on my podcast, so I'm going to need to have read the book. And it, <laughs> it has changed my world. It really su surprised me that it just reinforced what, what we have talked about and what we know um, uh, about having that understanding about your brand and being able to communicate who you are, not just what you do. As it says in A Course in Miracles, we learn what we teach.
Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with my good friend, Louis Gravance. Uh, some of the things that he said really knocked me for a loop. And as I said, I've been following him for many years. There was a time when I was transcribing his speeches for him, typing them out. So I know his work very, very well. And uh, he just really knocked me out. Of course, the one that got me the most was, you always had it in you, Dorothy. (laughs) I mean, that really blew me away. You've always had a brand. I've always had a brand. Even when your brand is joined with a larger brand, when my brand was joined with the Disney brand, whatever brand I've joined with, whether I was an employee at a company or freelancing for a company, my personal brand has always been a part of that work. And in this new era, you need to be aware of and access your personal brand story. I thought it was also important to understand that as a company, you need to be able to access your brand story. It is what is going to drive engagement with your customers because your customers want to be co-stars in that story powerful thoughts there. I thought one of the great ways that he talked about how to do that to become aware and access that personal brand story was to see yourself through the eyes of those who value your work. What an encouragement, especially during this time. So I hope that you will, in this new year, reconnect with people and institutions where you have been successful and reflect on that. How do people, how do customers feel because of what service you offer. What is it that you bring people through your company and through your service? How does it make them feel? Another great way to access that brand story. Use that story wheel, and you'll see it in the book, um, and he explains it very well in the book. Story, language, behavior, recognition. That's going to create a path to customer service and brand excellence. At the end there, we talked about understanding the difference between job and task. Your job is who you are, what impact you have, while your task is what you are doing, whether it's typing data or making a pizza. So get in there and really understand the difference between your job, who you are, and your task, the thing that you're doing. When you can marry the product with a story, and you have the difference between a wand and a stick. It's the same as understanding the difference between job and task. What is the magical story? What is the story of the brand that turns the stick into a wand? I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the conversation. I know I sure did. I've been thinking on it for an entire week. And I'm going to go back and read his book again. So thanks again for listening to the Story Maven podcast. All the links to his book and his website will be on the website, alicefairfax.com. Be sure to visit alicefairfax.com slash checklist to download the free checklist, the five things your brand story needs, and start making an impact with your target audience. When you get the checklist, that automatically signs you up for my newsletter where you'll get first access to the Tell Your Story digital course. Thanks for listening to the Story Maven podcast. Be sure to subscribe to and rate and review this podcast. Thank you to Emmett Fenn for the music Global from YouTube Music. Thank you.